Welcome to the Amori Magazine podcast here on AmoriMagazine.com. On this episode, I chat with singer-songwriter Brendan James. His self-titled sophomore album was released in September of 2010. His songs have been featured on such television shows as Private Practice, Bones, So You Think You Can Dance, and Army Wives. He's currently on tour across America in support of his new album. Here's my interview with Brendan James. Shortly after college, you moved to New York City, and you were working at Urban Outfitters. And uh, at night, you would sneak into hotels to practice the piano, right? It was a, it was a very crazy time for me. I, it was kind of pure ambition. You know, you get out of college, you don't use the degree you just worked hard for, but instead you move to the biggest city in the country, and you get a job folding clothes. It was, you know, just all, all so you can kind of live your dream as a musician. Yeah, and I think it says a lot about, you know, the type of person that you are, you know, and, and dedicated to it. Did you ever get into any trouble when, when you were sneaking into the hotels to, to practice? Never any serious trouble. I mean, I, I got some, I got a couple awkward moments getting kicked out by security guards. You know, nothing got, it didn't get physical, but uh, they, they weren't the happiest people sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. I think when I, I, got, I got kicked out of Juilliard once, I snuck in there and I just think they couldn't, couldn't figure out how I had snuck in, and uh, they just really wanted me to leave very quickly. <laughs> um, and when you were in college, you sung a cappella. So, um, at what point did you become accustomed to the piano? It was it was right in college. It was about halfway through college that I kind of started the piano, and um, it was a daunting task. But but I, I always tell people the, the way to do it, the way to teach yourself something, is is to just kind of enjoy it you know make sure that you're not going and practicing and doing drills and all these exercises that you're not enjoying i think i was able to do it because i was writing songs at the same time i was enjoying songwriting and not even thinking about the fact that my fingers were learning how to play piano okay and um earlier on uh carly simon kind of took notice of your work and invited you to record at her house in cape cod um so what was it like having somebody you know of that uh, like a legendary musician like her you know validate you that that soon I would say that was that's one of the biggest highlights of, of my career so far was having someone as accomplished as Carly Simon just kind of seek me out and um, appreciate my voice and, and my lyrics and that really was fuel to my fire at a young age. And your, your self-titled uh, sophomore album was released in September 2010 uh, and they always say that your sophomore album is usually your hardest to, to make because you, you, know, you have expectations from the debut album. So do you feel it was a, it was a was it a harder album to make or was it easier because you you grew as a musician? Well, I'll tell you, it was a harder album to make, but it wasn't because I was trying to outdo anything. It was just harder because I was deeper into the system, into the music industry system, and you know, doing more touring, and there was more pressure on me, and there was more deadlines, and you know, trying to write songs that sound fresh and are you know very original and very you gets more challenging when all that pressure of the system is on you. And so that that album became kind of a triumph of of escaping that pressure and still being able to find songs, you know, that were original. Talk about the album and uh what song was your favorite on the on the new album? Oh, that's tough. Um I think maybe my favorite song is Your Beating Heart, which is uh a piano ballad towards the end of the record. I think that means the most to me. Um it's about my wife, uh, who was my fiance at the time, and that one's very special. Um, I think another one that's very special is is the Lucky Ones, uh, which was for me is kind of an experimentation in production and and direction. 
but I ended up loving it and being very proud of it. Um, it's just kind of about our generation and moving forward in this new world of technology and, and uh, you know, kind of sorting through the rubbish that other generations have left for us to sort through. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, as much as you're, you know, you have a well-branded style, some of your songs are happier and more upbeat, yet some of them go a little bit deeper and are a little bit more somber. So is it based on the subject matter or is it interchangeable? It's, you know, it's, I think it's interchangeable. That's a really good question. I think there are ways to write songs. I think the lucky ones that I was just talking about is a good example. Yeah. It's a song that is inherently about something that's kind of dark and that, you know, we're we don't we kids getting out of school these days you don't really know your direction like like people did 30 years ago it's a daunting task to take on the world but in the production in the style that i that it that the song was recorded it ends up sounding very upbeat and i i, I think it's interchangeable for sure okay um and you lived in many locations new york and you went to college in north carolina you now live in la and you grew up in Derry, new hampshire so um, is there any particular city that's your favorite, or, or, or do you enjoy L.A. You know, right now, and that's where you want to be? I think I have found something wonderful in California, and I think uh, I think my favorite place in the world is probably always going to be New Hampshire. I think I'll always feel most at home driving up Route 93 or going up into the mountains, you know, in Lincoln, New Hampshire, or something. Yeah. Um, but I but I will say that I, I really like California because. Uh, of the mountains and because of the ocean and because of there's a wide open feel here you know you kind of start your life fresh here and and uh i think i'm going to be here for many years you'll start a national tour over a two-month period um and on your bio you know you talk about your debut album tour and, and you said you went to 40 states and ate at 330 restaurants and stayed in 210 hotels and slept on one boat, John Mayer's uh, Mayorcraft Cruise. And you said, I know that because I wrote it all down. So uh, talk about this tour, and do you plan on writing down you know, all your stops, and will you visit some of the same hotels and restaurants that you did in your, in your debut album tour? I definitely will visit some of the same restaurants, and I'm sure some of the hotels. That's the beauty, I think, of getting, getting to know the country through touring. That yeah. Remember some of the great restaurants, the little spots that, you know, a lot of people don't know about. And I think I'll be hitting those up again. And I think uh, I used to write in a journal a lot when I was younger, and I, and I want to start doing that again. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a difficult thing to, to remember to do and to have the energy to get that journal out and write and take notes on where you are. And I actually was thinking about doing that again for this tour be a good exercise. Uh, what's your favorite part of touring and your least favorite part of touring? My favorite part of touring is the sense of direction and a sense of accomplishment. Um, I think there's something to be said when you're on tour. You don't have to accomplish anything else, nothing mundane. You don't have a daily task list of going to the grocery store or calling your friends or your family or meeting people here or there. It's just you have you have one goal, and you gotta you got to nail those shows every night, and I think I love that, that kind of one goal mindset. I think the hardest part about it is that you are removed from normal society. You're removed from your relationships, and it's tricky to get back into society and back into the depths of your relationships upon getting home. I think the hardest part about touring is the transitioning between being in a different part, you know, living differently, coming back and living back at home the normal way, and then living very differently, and then living back at home the normal way. It's, it's a challenge. Okay, and you shot videos for Green in the fall. Do they allow the listener to have um, 
basically the perception that, that you want people to get out of the song? I think you can do your best as an artist making a music video to not only put yourself across in a clear way and put, you know, because you know, a lot of times people make videos to show what they do. Oh, this guy plays piano and he looks like this and that's what he looks like when he walks or, or whatever. And yeah. I think I try to do that with my videos to make sure people can get to know me, but I also try to paint the picture of the song. So I, I think they do help, but I think at the end of the day, music videos are, are only one interpretation of, of a song. And I think fans are completely allowed to have different interpretations that might not be represented by the video. It, it's kind of like a, it's how the artist sees it in that time of his life or her life. But it, I think people interpret songs however they need to. Your music has been featured on such television shows as Private Practice, Bones, and Army Wives. Do shows like that and having the songs featured on it do they kind of get help give you a different meaning to some of these songs? Hmm. Yeah, they do. I think when you see your songs in pop culture or when you, you hear them in the background of some big shows on television, you know, they take on a new clarity and you see them, you see them for their universal appeal, I think, for the first time. Um, and it's, it's flattering when you, when you get asked to be part of pop culture in that way. I think secretly that's a lot of musicians' goal. In your bio, you say that you're a romantic and an optimist. Do you feel you're more vulnerable in life and in love since, you know, a, a lot of uh, what you're feeling is expressed through your music? Yeah, definitely. I I, uh, I can get pretty emotional on tour because every night I'm, I'm pouring out, you know, pretty intimate lyrics and, and um, I'm doing it with as much passion and energy as I can each night. And so... It's uh, it's definitely an outpouring of yourself, and uh, you are more, what's the word, um, you're more susceptible to being hurt by people. So, so I have to be careful sometimes. And I, I think that's true with any you know musician and writing writing music. Oh, totally, totally. It's, I, I'm I, I'm your classic artist. Sometimes I'm I'm kind of a mess when I'm writing, and I'm confident one day and super insecure the next day, and you just try to group all the days together and um, you know keep standing and when you're not touring uh, what are some of your favorite hobbies or activities to, to kind of get away from it oh I love sports um, you'll always find me shooting basketball or I love photography as well and um, since I moved to California I think I've been hiking five days a week almost every week so I love hiking too Okay. What's something that a fan may have said to you or that maybe has, has stuck in your mind, you know, ever since you you started your career? I think it's just general words of encouragement that, you know, despite our facade and our confidence and everything, you know, artists do need to hear it sometimes. And I, I've gotten, I was just on a phone call. I had to, had to do a fan phone call a few weeks ago. And it was a very sweet girl. She's a medical student. And she just said, I just want you to know that, you help me get through every day. And, you know, that felt so good. You, you don't know it. You don't know, you know, people have bought your records and they're listening to you, but you don't know that you're actually helping someone get through their day. And when she said that, you know, it, it really meant the world to me. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, you, you can't even imagine probably how many similar stories like hers are out there. Yeah, I guess so. It's, it's, it's those things that I have to remember, you know. Overall, yeah. Really happy with where I'm at, where I am, and where I'm headed. And I'm already writing and recording some new songs for the early summer. And uh, you know, I'm I'm really really proud of what's happening right now. 
All right. Well, cool. I, I appreciate you taking the time to do this, uh, Brendan, and I know you'll be busy on tour, so uh, good luck with the tour. Well, thank you very much, Lorraine. That was singer-songwriter Brendan James. His self-titled sophomore album is now out on iTunes. For more information on Brendan, you can visit his website, brendanjames.com. Until next time, this is the Amore Magazine podcast here on amoremagazine.com.